the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Buckle up and settle in for a full hour of automotive mayhem with the real car guy, master technician, Mark Salem, where the only two things we can't fix is a broken heart and the crack of dawn. To talk to Mark, call 602-508-0960. That's 602-508-0960. Now, once again, here's Mark. Welcome back, everybody. Four minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock. My name is Mark Salem, and we're going to be here for another hour. Every Saturday, we're here from 10 to noon, and we talk about car repair. We talk about your problems, your car, and it's a kind of a give and take. I ask a question, you answer me. Now, when you answer me, it's one of three answers. Yes, no, or I don't know. I don't know is okay. If you don't know, you don't know. But if you say it's right and you really don't know, then I go in the right turn, and chances of me guessing intelligently are pretty slim. This portion of Under the Hood is brought to you by Kurtz Auto Repair. Kurtz is a proud to be an independent, family-owned, and operated auto repair facility. They were just recognized recently as one of the Better Business Bureau Ethic Awards winners, and that says a lot. They've been in business since 1987. They've been working on domestic imports, both gas and diesel. They have ASC Master and Certified Technicians, which means they're going to be your car is going to be diagnosed and repaired by guys that have been around the block. Kurtz Auto Repair is at I-17 in Bell Road in Phoenix. It's a good shop. If you need one in that area, Kurtz is the guy. Let's go to the phone. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I've got a 2004 Hyundai Tiburon. Uh, I have an issue. I'm supposed to be checking the purge valve. Uh, uh, troubleshooting. haven't been able to... Uh, have any uh, difference in the in the you know, troubleshooting? Is the problem is when I get get gas, the car uh, hesitates on the restart about eighty percent of the time. It just uh, sluggish; it doesn't want to restart right away. It chokes. Uh, haven't seen any difference between filling it to half, three quarter, or full. I didn't seem to have any noticeable difference in the. Uh, whether trouble restarting or not, uh, doesn't seem to have a problem if I cars is cars is sitting stopped. If I just open the gas cap uh, for a while and put it back on, doesn't seem to make a difference. Uh, and one other thing I noticed recently was that I was doing some trying to do some checking on it, and I opened the gas cap when the car was running, and Sounded like the the tank was boiling. Sounded like air bubbling in. Uh, you know, is that normal? Well, it, it, let's back this train up a long way. Um, okay, it's it's you know codes, right? No check engine lights, no codes. Yeah, right. Okay, and it only this this malady only happens after you fueled it up. Yes. Okay. And and where did you get purge valve? You mentioned that uh, at the beginning called in a long time ago with the similar problem we haven't gone down gotten down to thompson's to have them check the thing okay it it's 
you've put me in a, a tough situation. Let me change the story. And, okay. um, and, and every single time we see black smoke out of the tailpipe or we have a tough start after fuel up, especially if we say, okay, hold it to the floor. If you know what's going to happen, hold it to the floor, crank it till she starts, and look in your rearview mirror and see if you see black smoke. Every time those particular circumstances, then what's happening is we're pumping fuel too fast in the tank. But basically what we're talking about is is there's a device at the top of the tank that's supposed to suck the fumes, go through a canister, and the motor's supposed to consume the fumes. So the system should really be airtight. What happens is, is like my father, my dad used to stuff the tank. That would send liquid fuel forward. The car would be then flooded, and he'd always complain and use bad words because his car wouldn't start. So what I did is I pinched off the line on the top of the tank, and I said, try that for a couple times. And he goes, you fixed it, you fixed it. And I said, no, I need to fix you because I pinched off the tank, which prevents that pressurized fuel from going forward and so forth and so on. You could do the same thing. You could go down there and find out which valve, which purge valve line's pulling off the top of the tank. There's always a possibility um, that I'm wrong. But, But here's the thing. It doesn't happen when the tank is half to to empty. And so then we have to look at half to full. And what I hear you saying, it's really seven-eighths to full. And it's predominantly after you fill it up with water. I'm trying to dance as clearly as I can. But let me just tell you an analysis. We had a bad water leak up at the ranch the other day. And you turned on the south side faucet and it flooded the laundry room with water. An inch or two. So we called the plumber up, and he goes, blah, blah, blah. and we have these frost-free faucets up there because it gets down in single digits. And you're supposed to disconnect the hose because the hose, if you don't disconnect the hose, it holds that whole system in full of water, and then when the water freezes, it blows your pipe up. So the guy comes down, and he says, show me where you're at. And he goes, okay, well, I'm, I'm sure it's broken. It's split. So we, we stand there, and we argue. And I said, there's never been a hose connected to this. Never, 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 never. And he goes, okay, Mr. Salem, okay, well, maybe it's a bad fitting. So he takes the wall apart, (laughs) and this thing has a split in it. You could have stuck a quarter through. And I'm saying to him, there's never been a hose on this. It's in an area at the backside of the laundry room that we don't, we got hose bibs on either side of it. Well, he's sitting there smiling, and and I know why he's smiling. Because, and then I say to him, I'm probably doing what everyone else has done and swear there's never been a hose. And he didn't even turn his back to me, but I could see his shoulders shaking. <laughs> I go, okay, enough said. So I don't know what to tell you, but if you want to see if there's a problem in the purge system, then have somebody go up there and pinch that purge line. Another thing you could do is find the canister and take it out and see if it's dripping with fuel. It's not supposed to be dripping with fuel. It's supposed to just bring fumes off the tank and burn them again. So you could have a bad purge valve. You could. The problem is the purge valve is going to suck fume off the tank, and the only time it's going to get liquid is if you stuff the tank, stuff the tank, the tank's real full, and then you start driving left turns and right turns. That vacuum cleaner up on the top of the tank is going to suck liquid. So I don't know what to do, but I think for your sake, maybe have your shop just pinch off the fuel line. Uh, And you can get a vacuum diagram, if you want, off the Internet, and you're going to follow from the canister 
to the purge valve on top. And then you'll be able to know where it ends up in, and, and finalizes underneath the hood. And then you look at the lines. There might be three of them. There'll be a small one, a middle one, and a big one. And you should be able to just pinch that off. Now, it's going to set a code when you do that, but that's the way it is. Anyway, Steve, good luck to you. Good luck to you. David, you're up next. How can I help you? Actually, David dropped, so we're going to go to Alex. Alex, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. So I was just wondering if this is normal when I turn my car into the run position for the condenser and the radiator fan to both turn on automatically. I have a 95 Toyota Camry, and uh, I couldn't tell you perfectly if it had not done that in the past, but from what I remember, it wouldn't do that, and, you know, the radiator, radiator fan would kick on. Uh, you know, after the car would start to heat up, condenser fan would kick on when I would turn the AC on, uh, and now they're just on all the time. So I just, just don't know if that's normal. Okay. This time of the year, it's not kind of normal. Um, if you park if you park the car and come back to it 10 minutes later, the water in the engine is hotter than the water in the radiator. So when you start it up, the thermostat's already open, and we're going we're gonna to start flowing that water. You, what I hear you say is you have two fans. One of them is an AC fan, and one is a cooling system fan. And more than likely, the AC fan comes on um, with the cooling system fan or vice versa, depending on how it's wired, and I can't tell you on a 95 Camry. But does it, if they come on when you hit the key, are they on for the entire trip, wherever you're going? Yeah. Yes, the entire time until I shut the car off. Okay. Has anybody done any work underneath the hood in a while? Uh, yeah, I work on my own car. The last thing that I had done, um, let me see, the, what did I do? I changed a fuel filter. Um, I did change the radiator. So I okay. did disconnect both of those fans. Um the last thing that I really did under the hood, though, was I got some electronic cleaner, and I went through some electrical connections because it was the first time I had done it. I didn't want to mess anything up, so I was just kind of testing it out, and I went and I sprayed some electrical connections. I did spray the connections on one of the fans, uh, not both of them, because the other one was a little difficult to get to, and I didn't feel like getting it to it because I was just trying it out. So that was the last thing I had done. Okay, now, so do you, is this electrical cleaner is an aerosol spray, I'm going to assume? It was, I think it's called QD, electronic cleaner. I got it at O'Reilly. Okay. So is it something that goes in and cleans the connection and then evaporates, or is there a residual uh, after effect? It's kind of like spraying it with WD-40, and it still has a residual after effect. Is it? Because electrical cleaners typically are kind of like hairspray. You spray them on, they dry real quick. They clean the connection, right, yeah. and they dry real quick. Is that yours, or does it leave a, a little bit of a residual? Yeah, it evaporates immediately. Okay. All right. I'm going to guess here, but I'm quite sure the cooling fan for your engine, forget the AC fan, the cooling fan for your engine is going to be controlled by the computer. And when the computer sees a temperature it doesn't like, there's probably a hot lead to the fan and the computer has the ground. And so when it wants the cooling system fan to fire up, it just grounds that wire. And then we're done. The air conditioning fan is going to be hooked to the air conditioning system, and it's either going to be wired to come on when the compressor comes on, or there's going to be a high-pressure switch on the compressor that turns that second fan on. Now, sometimes, and especially in the older cars that you're talking about, your Camry, sometimes one fan is connected to the other. So you turn on the air, and all of a sudden both fans come on. 
and they say, okay, when we turn on the air, the motor's going to run hotter, plus we want airflow across the condenser that's that big radiator in front of the radiator. So a lot of times on the older model cars, we fired up both fans. Well, if that's the case, that high side switch in the compressor is the same as the other one. I, I feed power to the fan, and then I ground it. Well, maybe that high pressure switch at the back of the compressor is grounded, and it's faking everything out, and by grounding, it turns on both fans because it thinks the air's on when it really isn't on. So the diagnostic process would be get a wiring diagram and find out how, how it works. And if I'm right, then you disconnect the high-pressure the, uh, high wire from the compressor, and the problem goes away. Or, and the problem is both fans are running, or both fans come on when you start it up. Well, then that goes away. So if that's the case, then more than likely the high-pressure switch at the back of the air compressor is bad, and it's telling the fans, I'm going to turn both of you on because I see high pressure in the air conditioning system. Well, there is no high pressure in the air conditioning system, especially if you start it up. This is going to be one of those things that's going to cost probably 100 to $200 because you've got multiple circuits you have to check to find it. And under the best of conditions, half that much money to fix it. Because <laughs> this is going to be one of those, is when you find it, when you know what it is, then fixing it's not going to be nearly as expensive as finding it was because you have three different circuits. And so you have to deal with all three of those. So that's the best I can do. Good luck to you, Alex. And and the lines are open, 602-508-0960. Got five lines open. Gil's the one. He's the engineer that makes me look good. He also will uses bad words to me during the break when I don't hit my brakes, like right now I'm 25 seconds past that. But he's a really nice guy, and we've worked together, and we're kind of like different brothers, uh, brothers from different mothers. We'll be back. Hello, I'm Greg May, owner of Phoenix Body Works. For 35 years, we've been demonstrating our workmanship, our honesty, our integrity, and our exceptional customer service. We are blessed to have so many repeat customers who refer their friends and family. We have ethical, loyal technicians who have been with us for years. They are ICAR certified, which means they are up to date on the latest technology and techniques. So your repairs meet or exceed industry standards. Our technicians are truly part of our family. We are very capable of fixing your car. We pull off damaged parts. We pull your frame and body mounts back to where they should be. Then we install the new parts. We align both the front and rear end. Then your car is back to the way it was when new. Our customers come from all over the valley. I'm Greg May. Remember, it's your vehicle. You pick the shop, not the insurance company. Phoenix Body Works. We want to be your collision repair specialist. Call us, 623-582-1434, Monday through Friday, 9 to noon on Saturday. Take the Patriot with you wherever you go. The 960 The Patriot mobile app. Your Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and Radio.com. It's your voice of reason 24-7. Pandemic, market drops, elections. Don't let the noise and fear distract you. Where do you go for clarity at uncertain times? For experienced advice on planning for retirement, tune in right here Saturday morning at 8 for Retire Financially Fit with Phyllis Sachs-Pilvinas or call PSP and Associates now for help navigating these unprecedented times. 623-792-5496. Investment advisory services are offered through PSP Financial Services, LLC, an Arizona registered investment advisor. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, 
you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. So you see, son, good manners are important. Should I go through it again? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open, don't speak with your mouth full, keep your elbows off the table. Share your things, play nice, and generally treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But two minutes twice a day, making sure they brush their teeth is easier. And it could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. Visit 2min2x.org to find out more. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. You have questions. Let us be the answer. 960 The Patriot. 20 minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock. My name is Mark Salem, and we're here every Saturday, 10 to noon, talking about cars and car repair stuff. Action Auto Repairs at I-17 in Deer Valley. I've known Tom since probably the early 80s. He's a full-service family-owned auto repair shop. He has no affiliation with any kind of a specific car, but he works on everything from BMWs to Mercury Zephyrs. So whatever repairs you need, and most of the time I suggest that you go in for an oil change and just see how they treat you. See if they call you out and say, here's an issue that you've got. This one you need to address as soon as possible, and here's why. But this one over here, you can wait however long you want. But this is something that you need to have, and I'm going to go ahead and give you estimates for both of them. And and thank you. I'll meet you back in the lobby. That's what happens. Low pressure, show and tell, develop trust, and be done with it. Tom has ASC Master Certified Technician. Like I said, he's been around a long time. He's Action Auto Repair at I-17 and Deer Valley. Tom, good morning. Morning, Mark. Good morning. Um, uh, earlier caller talked about uh, well shake and all that. Uh-huh. I had that issue too. Uh, could it be the um, the weights and stuff? It could moved around or lost the weight. Well, uh, that caused the shimmy in the wheels. Well, um, it the one that I think you're referring to is is the guy that had um, a vibration in the back of the car. And and he said it it um, I I can't really remember it was an O2 Durango, um, and I I don't the answer about the weights moving around in the tire that is certainly true a long time ago in 1968 when I was balancing tires and working at a Shell station in Tempe yes um, if I didn't if I pounded the weights too hard they would come off but. A quarter of an ounce to a half an ounce to three-quarter of an ounce and maybe even an ounce isn't going to really make a vibration significant enough. But if you throw a two-and-a-half, three-ounce weight, then then the answer is yes. So in addition to that, the weights from today are far better than the weights from before. The machines are completely different. The Fred Flintstone machine that I was born and raised on in 1968 all the way till probably 1980 was a bubble machine. Today we have balancers that divide the tire in half for left side, right side. Then it also divides the tire sideways 
in virtually every point in the clock. So it then tells you the high side of the the heavy side of the tires on the heavy side of the wheel. So I want you to take the air out of this and move the heavy side 180 degrees difference from where it's at. So the heavy side of the wheel is at 12 o'clock and the heavy side of the tires at 6 o'clock. And at the end of the day, we use like a half an ounce of weights or maybe an ounce of weights to finish the balance. So it's telling us how to clock the tire to the wheel. But yes, every once in a while you'll find weights. But I want to tell you, I don't remember in the last five years where somebody came in with a vibration that we found that they had thrown a weight. So back in the old days, yes, but I don't remember ever seeing that in the last five years at my shop. So thank you for bringing that up. That's a good, great, great question, and that's something that we hear every once in a while is, will you check my tire balance? I think I threw a weight. Um, and yes, we will. If we balanced them before, yes, we'll do that at no charge. But there has to be more conversation after that. You know, when did it start? Does it come and go? Is it hot or cold, fast or slow? Those are the kinds of questions that typically done. But thank you, Tom. That's a that's a good thing for uh, for you for us to talk about. I'm not the perfect guy, and my shop isn't the perfect place. We make mistakes like everybody else. If your shop makes a mistake, you're going to find out how much they value your you as a customer. Not too long ago. Uh, a friend of mine who owned a shop said he fired a customer. And I said, wow, <laughs> I have too sometimes, but tell me about yours. And so he went on through this long story, and he says, you know, with computers today, we can make notes, and we start with the date, and just date after date after date after date in the customer's files, and unhappy about this, and couldn't please him here, and all that kind of stuff. So I said, well, what did you do? And he goes, well, I just decided I would do what you do. And I said, oh, I'm not liking the answer to this question. And he goes, um, when he came in last, I, it, I tripled the, the, the estimate for the repair. And obviously he was really mad at me, and I'm hoping he doesn't ever come back. And I said, will you run the risk of him telling everybody in the world that you're really, really expensive? And he goes, what has changed in the last 10 years? He says, every shop is blamed for being expensive. And I said, yeah, you're right, because folks don't really know the dynamics. So the end of this story is, number one, um, it's true that there has been times that I've given a huge estimate to somebody who has just been somebody that takes too much of our time and has us chase on our tails and then complains and complains and complains. A better way to handle it that I have figured out, and so has a lot of other shops, is to give you a, a number that includes everything. We talk to our customers like this. Write your check for this much money before you leave home, and that will take care of the bill. That's all there is to it. We're not gonna, you're not going to come in and we're going to hit you for 20% more of your ticket, $80 on a $400 ticket, 20% more because we have shop supplies, environmental charges, and sales tax. We all have computers. We can build the repair right on the computer, and it will give us a perfect number at the end. So we give you that number. Now, if we need more money, we call. But on the other hand, if we're under, then we they write the check and you give them the difference. That simple. Most people like it that you're going to say, this is the amount you write your check for. And, of course, nobody writes checks anymore, but you're driving the point home. There are also times, maybe once a year, where a shop finds it necessary to just disassociate themselves with a customer. The last one I remember, which is two or three years ago, was a guy who told us how to fix his car. 
And it got to the point where the argument wasn't worth it. What we didn't anticipate was, he says, I want you to balance all my tires. Um, I've got a bad vibration. Or just, I want to bounce all, bounce all my tires. So we do that. He's got the steering wheel of his train. He's telling us what to do. Balance my tires. Then he comes back and he goes, well, it didn't fix it. And then you say, we didn't fix anything. We did what you told us. I didn't tell you. I told you to fix the vibration. No. Here's the work order. Mr. Salem said, balance the tires, dot, 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 LG, which is the initials of the person at the front counter. No, that's what you said. That's exactly what you said. So he was really mad at us and demanded that we go diagnose it for free. And I ended up hearing all the commotion down the lobby. I came downstairs, and I already knew him, and said, you know, we're just not made for one another. You know, there's lots of shops around here, and I, I think it's time for you to find another shop that can meet your needs better than we can. And so I'm going to go ahead and close your customer file. If there's any warranty issues of work that we've done before, then we'll certainly honor those. But I really think it's time for, for you to move on. He was nice and said thank you, and he walked out the door. As soon as he walked out the door and he was over to his car, which is quite a ways from the front door, the entire lobby is now filled with staff, and they're clapping. <laughs> I said, I know this has been a problem, but you're making it sound like it's a bigger problem. And they go, you aren't always here. We deal with that guy all the time. So, and ironically enough, um, it's most of the time, it's it's a guy. The ladies will oftentimes come in and tell us what their son in Minnesota told them to say. And it just with a little bit of questioning, you can get there. And so you ask for the symptoms, and if necessary, the guy's phone number so you can have a discussion. So women rarely tell us how to fix their car. They rarely tell us that the guy on the Internet said that the mass airflow sensor is wrong because the code says it's wrong, which is a bunch of hogwash. So it is a communication issue. Most of you have been at your shop for a long time. That means they love you, and I hope that's the case. A couple of you may have been fired by your shop, and I think the writing's on the wall. 602-508-0960, Did you know Rain Tree Auto Repair is ranked number one in the entire United States by Mercedes-Benz for their repairs? Andy Val, the dad, and his sons, Tom and Paul, operate Rain Tree Auto Body in North Scottsdale. They've been around since 1972. Sure, they fix Kias and Hondas and Chevys and Fords, but they are rated the best for their ability to correctly repair the Mercedes-Benz. Remember, Rain Tree Auto Repair is ranked number one in the entire United States by Mercedes-Benz for their repairs. They have a machine called the Select Bench. It's the same jig they assemble your car on. Rain Tree can put your car back to its pre-loss condition with 100% accuracy. Rain Tree Auto Repair is a BBB member with a plus rating. Rain Tree Auto Repair provides free estimates and they'll give you a lifetime warranty on all paint and bodywork. They use the best glasserate paint and it's waterborne paint so it has no environmental effect. For more information, stop by RaintreeAutoBodyInc.com. When driving in Arizona, move over or slow down for any flashing lights. Move over for tow truck drivers, highway crews, and emergency responders. Move over for any vehicle with its hazards flashing. Because at 65 miles per hour, a vehicle travels over 95 feet in one second. One second that could change everything. When you move over for anyone, you're not just doing it for them. You're doing it for their families. Their lives are flashing before your eyes. Move over, Arizona. Every vehicle, every time. It's the law. 
Please visit moveoveraz.org. This message is brought to you by ADOT, the ABA, and this station. Are you the type who's got little time for talk but still wants to be plugged in? Wants the nickel tour by someone in the know? Wants the bottom line at the top of the page and at the top of the hour? I'm Terry Gilberg. Each day I write and deliver Terry's Take on the topics, a digestible version of the issues of the day, every morning at 7.04 a.m., every evening at 6.04 p.m. Get a fresh take every day on air, past takes every day online. 7.04 a.m., 6.04 p.m., and more than 500 takes at 960 The Patriot. Terry's Take is sponsored by Modern Round, Upscale Lounge, and Eatery. Hey, guys, let's play some video games. This new dad plays video games with his sons. But the challenge feels like he's lifting a metric ton. So many buttons. His avatar just stares at the walls, twists and turns and somehow falls. Help me. He's tangled up in the controller's cords. I just don't understand this crazy digital world. Crazy, crazy digital world. Heroes and worlds. But the love from his kids is totally apparent. See, you don't have to be perfect to be the perfect parent. You should have just played catch. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of siblings in foster care will take you just as you are. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Rich is just a really, really, really good guy. The term good egg isn't enough to describe him. He's also certified organic and free range. Rich puts the cap back on everything. The toothpaste, the olive oil, the shampoo, everything. He lets his 10-year-old nephew beat him at virtual tennis, even though he can straight up slay his 10-year-old nephew in virtual tennis. When the toilet paper is running low, Rich replaces the roll on the actual holder, not just on the back of the toilet. Rich is texting and driving. Rich, no. What are you doing, Rich? I was just telling everyone how great you are. Texting and driving makes good people look bad. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. All about that demon, all the mobile, the metal monster with the polygraph. Well, welcome back, everybody. My name is Mark Salem, and we're here helping you with your car-related problems. The phone number is 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. Autodynamics has been around in Sun City for a very long time. Chuck Nide opened up. Autodynamics in 1982. His son, Derek, now works there as well. Family-owned and operated since 82. They're proud of the quality service they provide. They stand behind the work that they do. Their staff and mechanics are not paid a commission or a percentage of your repair bill. Therefore, they're not motivated to sell unnecessary parts or repairs. So if you're in Sun City, Autodynamics, north side of Grand, just west of 99th Avenue, is a good place to start. Gil, any callers? We got one. Yes, we got one. Its name is Don. Don, good morning. Good morning, Mark. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank good. you very much. Another brake issue. I have an 01 Sonoma GMC, uh, the four-cylinder. Anyway, uh, the brakes, in wet weather, on the first drive in the morning, when I first apply the brakes, it grabs so hard, it almost throws me through the windshield. And then the next two or three successive times, it gets better and better. I've learned... In wet weather, after uh, to uh, 
ride the brakes in first gear for a couple hundred feet until they evidently dry out or something. Then they work just fine. And during wet weather, in a rainstorm or whatever, they work normally. They don't grab real hard. It's just after it sits uh, for a while, and I guess they dry out. But the first couple of applications are severe, you know. Okay. You've given me... Huh? You've given me some great information, um, and I think what's going on, and I don't know why, it's got to be something in the environment. There's two things that could be happening. We've got water contamination of the rotors, and that will cause what you describe, and that will also, when you ride the brakes, you're you're using the brake pads as a squeegee. You're removing the water, and everything's fine. Or the other possibility is, is that your brake rotors are rusting, and you say it's related to water and rain, and that certainly is it. That does happen. And so you rust up the wheels, and the first time you hit the brakes, it's kind of like sandpaper hitting the pads. They're smooth. So there's an abruptness to it. But after you apply the brakes two or three times, then it's gone because you've removed all the rust. Right. It's not uncommon. I remember we used to park a, an old truck we used to use for you know doing stuff at the ranch or whatever and and it's it sometimes would be over near the barn and there was a depression in the barn the guys used to complain that they had to walk through standing water to get to the truck but they also complained that the brakes didn't work and one and one equals two so um i gave them some galoshes and i put duct tape over their mouth and told them to go get in the truck and get the heck out of here so here's what i want you to try though when you know it's going to happen and it's been raining or something like that, I want you to go in reverse and go however, you know, if you could do two or three car links, then jam on the brakes Mm -hmm. and then go drive forward and see what happens. What you're doing is, is you're, you're obviously squeegeeing the, the, the uh, water off the rotors. The fact that they work fine after you clean them up would suggest that there is no oil. There is no contamination issue other than water. So I'm a little unclear why your O1 would have that unless, has it ever been wrecked before? No. Okay, have you owned it since it was new? Yes. Okay. Um, Next time it goes in for a tire rotation, I would ask the shop, would you check to make sure all the splash guards in and around my wheel are present? There's water getting in there. It works fine uh, while they're wet. It doesn't make a difference if I squeegee off the water. It's just uh, after it's been sitting. And uh, I don't understand how it could rust that quickly or whatever, you know? Well, you know, I I, I don't have an answer for that. That's the difficult part. Yeah. and, And, of course, we have a set of symptoms that are certainly valid, but we can answer that question after you fix the problem. So what you can do is is you can look through the wheel and see the rotors. So why don't you tomorrow morning take or tomorrow night or tonight take a garden hose and just saturate the rotors through the wheels. Mm-hmm. Then tomorrow morning before you drive it, see if there's any rust on them. Now, there's yeah. going to be guys out there that say, well, you're buying cheap rotors from Japan or China or Indonesia. I, I, I'm not going to jump on board to that train because I know that many of the parts that are installed in brand new parts come from offshore manufacturers. But there's always a possibility that you have some metal in your rotor that isn't conducive to a a normal finish and perhaps rust more. But I, I, 
I'm not suggesting you go replace the rotors. I'm suggesting that we determine, if you can determine what to do to make this go away, that will go a long ways towards the repair. Uh-huh. So yeah, that's they're the original rotors. They're Americans, I guess. Unless yeah. uh, GM makes uh, gets parts from China. No, they do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's no such factory that makes General Motors rotors or brake pads or windshield wipers or seats or anything. Keep in mind, my truck was made in Mexico, but mm-hmm. it was assembled there, and it wasn't manufactured there. So the parts come from all over the world, yeah. and as a result of that, my truck is assembled with parts from all over the world. Let me tell you this. The new Model 4 trucks, they have their, all their fuel controls is from Denso which is a short name for what they used to be called, Nippon Denso. And then you have Hitachi. Oh, Denso does the rotating electrical for starters and alternators. You have Hitachi on the fuel controls. You have Bendix brakes, and you have belts from somebody else. And all of this stuff comes from somewhere else. So don't get wrapped up in the, I need to have brake uh, rotors for an 01 Sonoma because they they never were associated other than the manufacturer buys from the cheapest vendor, and that's all there is to it. Anyway, Don, thank you for calling. 602-508-0960. We've got lines open. If you'd like to join us, there's five. Take the Patriot with you wherever you go. The 960 The Patriot mobile app. Your Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and Radio.com. It's your voice of reason 24-7. This is attorney William J. Wolf, host of Middle East Radio Forum, every Sunday at noon here on 960 The Patriot. This Sunday, Mayor Jalovitz will analyze Israel's emergency national unity government. Color me skeptical, where the only emergency was saving the careers of Benjamin Netanyahu and Benny Gantz. Don't miss this very interesting and important show. That's Middle East Radio Forum, Sunday at noon on 960 The Patriot. Introducing the YMCA. What, you already know the why? Or so you think. Sure, you know the why for a swim, a workout, even a game of hoops. But did you know we're more than that? We're a cause. When you take your jump shot at the why, someone else is getting job training. Take a cardio class while kids are in an after-school enrichment program. Practice your downward-facing dog as a teen practices her leadership skills. That's the why. We work with people no matter their age, income, or background and give them the opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive, all with one simple goal in mind, to strengthen our community. And we've got so much more that does just that. So while you might think of the Y as that place for lifting weights, we're also about lifting entire communities. Introducing the Y. We're so much more than a place. We're a cause. Visit ymca.net slash more. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. My student loan is totally paid off. I can't believe it. I can't believe it either. I paid more than the minimum each month, and soon enough, it was gone. So you're just giving up. Giving up on what? The life of luxury. 
Egyptian cotton, caviar Thursdays, designer everything. What are you talking about? Our plan. What happened to winning the lottery and mastering the art of the perfect mimosa? Hosting galas, wearing enough jewelry to require a bodyguard, vacationing in the French Riviera, and then buying it. I just thought maybe it was time to prepare for my future. You know, set some financial goals, make some smart investments, open a 401k. Financial goals? Investments? A 401k? You are horrifying right now. Listen, if winning the lottery were easy, everyone would do it. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to everybody. 37 minutes, actually 43 minutes after the top of the hour. My name is Mark Salem. Let me tell you real quick that there's a lot of people out there that I respect that have better knowledge and better experience than I have. I'm not the most perfect know-it-all kind of guy. I do my best and I do I do uh I do fix things more than others. But here's the difference between me and them. Number one, I've been doing radio since 1988 in Phoenix. And number two, they're scared to death to do radio. (laughs) And there's a big difference there. But one of the guys that's not scared to do radio is Nate from Strictly Diesel Service and Repair. I really respect Nate. He is really a smart diesel guy. He knows diesels better than I do. He's way up north, and I'm way down south, so we don't really struggle with customers. But there are times that I say, go talk to Nate at Strictly Diesel, I-17 and Pinnacle Peak Road. You can also go to their website. You can leave information there and look at some of the products they sell. So that's Strictly Diesel, and Nate is the guy that runs it. Let's go to Jim. Jim, good morning. Good morning. I have a 2010 Dodge Ram 5.7. Uh, check engine light came on about a month ago, and it stayed on. Well, it went on and off periodically, and now it stayed on. And by me shifting, you know, there's a little knob at the end of the shifter. Overdrive. Uh, okay, but there's like five Okay. Uh, different selections. Okay, I messed with that, and it went away for like two weeks. But okay. it's back on now. Okay, there's a rocker, there's a rocker switch on your on your shifter, and you can you can push the bottom of it all the way down to first gear, and you can drive, and then you can click the top, and it goes to second, and then third. Is that? Are we talking about the same thing? Um, no, it's not a rocker switch. It's actually a knob at the very end of the shifter. Okay. You can okay. go through two, five. Oh, and if I mess with that, or you know, just shift it manually. Okay, so then, so with this, away, I don't know. Okay, with this shifter knob, you can actually put it in one, and it won't shift into two. So if you're kind of climbing or you're, that's correct. Okay, yeah, fair enough, I fair enough. I just needed to know that it's it's a selector for shift. I don't have an answer for you. I, I just I just don't have an answer. But I tell you what, I would do if I were you. Um, I would start manually shifting that thing for a week. I just you know start off in first gear. Yink, yink. And that's what I do for a week. Let's put it in some ranges in the transmission that it hasn't been before. How many miles do you have on that? 88,000. Okay. I can't possibly, but if you if you needed transmission work, I'd be very surprised. 88,000 is not the normal that I expect to see. Transmissions north of 150 um, is typically when we see them. And I'll roll up that down to 130, 130 north of that. In your particular case, you can help yourself by trying to determine how I can make it happen 
and if it does it all the time, that way when you take it to the shop, you can say, this is what I need to do. Uh, you can take it down to Automatic Transmission Exchange at 40th and Washington. If you can duplicate it, can you make it happen? Can you learn how to make it happen? Because if you can do I that, you're you. going to save yourself $100 guaranteed in diagnostic fees. Okay. I just can't turn it off anymore. And yeah. I did that once, but I think that was just bloop, maybe. I don't know. Well, you could, if you wanted to, you could, if you know it happens, then go back home, disconnect the battery, wave it in the air for uh, 10 seconds, put it back on, and see what happens. That's called a reboot. So you would you're basically saying clear the mem- the memory of all the electronics and we'll start over again. So you could try that. That would help, but that's the best I can do. I'm sorry. Well, good luck to you. And again, Jim, if you do fix it, and it's weird, mark at MarkSalem.com. I'd sure like to hear about it so I can learn from you. Tony, you're up. Yes. Good morning. Yeah. I have a. Uh, I bought this vehicle brand new. It's got 115,000 miles on it. It's a uh, 2004 uh, Chevy Silverado with a 5.3 in it. Okay. Got the got the trailer package for towing, transmission, cooler, and so forth, positive traction. Okay. I get a little drop of oil on the driveway every now and then. I uh, jacked it up and looked underneath. There's a film of oil over my starter. Now okay. I've taken it to. I've taken it to the dealer, and uh, he says it's a rear main. Okay. But I don't see anything around the uh, drain plug or anything. The car is, I mean, the pan and everything's dry, except for that film over the starter. And okay. I'm wondering if there's anything above there, like a, some kind of a sending unit, that might be leaking. Can you give me any idea? Yeah, um, you're right. Uh, the back of the intake manifold gasket can leak, but it usually drops on the bell housing and goes on both sides of the bell housing. And, oh. and, and yes, there, there could very well be an oil pressure switch in there, but I can tell you right now, that oil pressure switch is bad. You ain't going to just have a drip. You're going to have something the size of a dollar bill because when it leaks, it's got pressure. When you shut it off, it relieves the pressure, and it's going to drip. I think... And I'm in a tough position here because I'm going to have to stick up for the the guy that I don't know who he is. I think it's possible that underneath between the transmission and the engine is a dust cover. And I think it's possible that they took the dust cover off and they could look up in front of the torque converter and see see the rear main seal area. Yes, he did that. Okay, then that's valid. Then your next question is, is, Mark, if this was your truck and you get a drip every so often... What would you do? And my answer is nothing. What happens if this is your wife's truck, Mark? What would you do? Nothing. What happens if it's your grumpy dad's truck? Nothing. I wouldn't do anything. I, w- I just would. Now, if you want to find out where it's at, spend the money and go have somebody put dye in it. You go drive it, and then they'll come back with the black light, and they'll be able to follow the drip to its origination point. But I think that's a huge waste of time. you got to drip every once in a while. Forget it. Yeah. Forget. And after all, let's take 115,000 miles and divide it by 16 years. And it's not like you're driving the wheels off this thing. (laughs) Have you ever taken it to Tucson or anything? No. This thing, this thing, uh, the bed looks like the day it came out of the factory. I've never had a load. I've just used it for uh, transmission, I mean, uh, transportation. Okay. And uh, I change oil every 3,000. 
No, okay. I will say, okay, I'm not going to do anything until until something goes bad. Yeah. But now, do you have more, any grandsons? One, pardon? Do you have any grandsons? I got uh, 23 great. I'm 86 years okay. old. Okay. All right. I, I, this is this is silly as it sounds. I'm quite sure that you're not out there ex- exercising the throttle more than thirty um, percent. It's kind of like a horse that's been in the stall his whole life, and so you take him out and you don't run him at full speed, but you kind of walk him and then walk him a little faster and then get him into a trot and then you get him into a kind of a gallop and then you get him running full blast and then you back off. Uh, I, we need to go through heat cycles. We need to heat up and cool down. Heat up and cool down. I, I, okay, I think right. that you're driving r- close by. You're going to the liquor store for your wife. You're not. You're not warming it up. Everything hasn't seen heat in a very long time. Why don't you take your wife to Flagstaff and spend the night at Little America and come home and see how what that oil leak is like? But for right now, you haven't given me enough information that makes me believe that you should spend a dime more than this. I think you should leave it the heck alone and move on with your life. Okay? okay and if you want more. somebody to drive it hard, call me and I'll come over and get it. Okay. One more quick one. Okay. I uh, I used to use a certain brand, quality brand, and I couldn't find the same thing. It, and it uh, the same brand had turned into a turbo oil for turbo. Okay. So I use uh, it uses a 530. So I bought it. And man, it just uh, went through there like uh, like a, a dose of salt. Okay. So I it, went back uh, to another oil that I used to love even back in high school. Is that okay if I should tell you what it is? You you can move to any oil you want. You and, okay. And I went to I went to Valvoline. Okay. Okay. And so that slowed down, and I use uh, I use about uh, about at three quarters a quart in twenty five hundred miles. And uh, I don't see any any smoke when I start. I always warm it up. I give it at least okay. four or five minutes, and okay. uh, I don't see any smoke coming out. I don't see, and there's no slimy oil in the exhaust pipe. Okay, okay, so, uh, Tony, I got I got to go. But let me just tell you something. Your engine's not smart enough to know if you put Quaker State or Valvoline or Pennzoil or Chevron. It's not. It doesn't care if the weight is the same and you're having an oil consumption problem with uh, Jones and you move to Smith and it changes it. Then just stay with Smith. That's all there is to it. But I got to run, Tony. I got two other callers. John, you're up next. Thank you, Mark. Hello. Um, I have a 2001 Chevy Astro van, 4.3. I went to the free whisker kid down on the road and got a code red oxygen sensor, which I'm not worried about. Um, and then a, a thermostat um, said it wasn't closing or whatever type of deal. With okay. those two be interlinked, so if I don't get that engine hot enough that my O2 sensor is not picking up the code that it's, or the, you know, the electrical no um, juice that is supposed to be no okay. they, they're too independent we wake up the oxygen sensor with exhaust heat so it 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 starts looking at your exhaust and the abundance of oxygen or the lack of oxygen that's why it's called an oxygen sensor so an oxygen sensor we look at it with a scanner not with a code but a scanner and we make it run rich and the oxygen sensor better go five and we make it run lean and the oxygen sensor better go one and so if we're driving it around and it sticks at one or it sticks at five, I wanted it two and a half. So the oxygen sensor's lying. The oxygen sensor is old. 
not that I suggest that we get rid of all the old people like me, but the, the, <laughs> I'm older than you, brother. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. And then the T stat. This is easy. The T stat's easy. That's really easy. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to knock that out. No, 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 no. We're going to diagnose it right. All right. In the morning, you take the radiator cap off. You have the wife okay. start the car and bring the idle up to about 1,000 RPM, okay? Mm-hmm. I want the water in the radiator to just ripple. I don't want to see movement. If that rate, if that thermostat is stuck open, then you're going to have instant flow from the top hose into the radiator, and you're going to see water flowing from where the cap is. There won't be any pressure first thing in the morning, so the vibration of the engine will cause the water to ripple, but you won't see it flowing. Now, okay. uh, it, it it is crucial that we have the right thermostat in there because we need the car to run at 220. But let's make sure that's it. Let's just make sure. But there is no relationship between the thermostat and an O2 sensor. But got to run. And, and Mark okay. at MarkSalem.com, if anybody wants to continue the conversation, Mark at MarkSalem.com and give me your phone number so I can call you because I hate to type. Glenn, you're up. How can I help you? Actually, uh, Glenn hung up. This is another John. Oh, John, I'll take you. How can I help you? Yeah, I got a 96 Buick Regal with uh, 100,000 miles on it. And the air conditioning on it, um, oh, let's see. Um, it has a leak in it, and I've, I've, it's been filled up like four or five times. And the last time I took it to somebody, they, uh, they filled it up, said they couldn't find a leak, which is what everybody says. And then... He said, come back and we'll diagnose it if it runs out. Well, we ran it for the summer, and then, when, you know, when we tried to turn it on back this year for the hot weather, no air conditioning again. Okay. All right. I don't agree that we wait till it gets out and then we're going to diagnose it. That's BS. Today we have all kinds of fancy dyes, yellow, blue, green, red. We inject the dye into the system. We bring the Freon level up, and nobody can see the dye until you put these funky glasses on. And once you put these funky glasses on, then you can see the dye. So we're going to go to every fitting from the firewall forward, and then we're going to drop a camera into the condenser, which is behind the glove box, and we're going to see the dye. That's all there is to it. So this old-fashioned idea that, and I'm, I'm disturbed with our industry when I hear you saying that they just keep adding refrigerant to it. Come on, guys. Get into the 21st century here. We have the ability to find those problems. with with. So I'm going to inject dye into your air conditioning system. I'm going to have you drive it. I'm going to bring you back in a month. I'm going to put these funky glasses on. I've got a special light. I'm going to start waving this light around. And pretty soon, oh, look at that. It's all red right there. Well, you can't see it with the naked eye, but I can with my glasses and my light. So find somebody that has a shop that has the ability to install dye, ask them what the process is, how much does it cost, and how often do you want to see me? Most of us say, bring it in every 30 days. We'll give it a good look over. We'll figure out where it's leaking. The number one place it leaks is at the Schrader valves. That's the number one place it leaks. You take the cap off the Schrader valve, woo, there's red dye everywhere. So the Schrader valves are often a problem, and I would say 30% of the time the Schrader valves... And to replace them, you have to take all the refrigerant out, and then you replace the Schrader valves, and then you put the refrigeration back in. We have the ability to pull yours, clean it up, and put it right back in. If you're four ounces low, we charge you four ounces, plus the labor. 
So we only have to charge you what you need. Mark at MarkSalem.com, Mark at MarkSalem.com, Mark at MarkSalem.com. If you want to continue the conversation, I'm happy to do that with you. Make sure you give me your phone number so that I can call you. I'm going to call from my blocked line, so it's going to come through as a block. But it's going to say, this is Mark Salem, and hopefully you won't hang up on me.